Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I first got glasses when I was seven or eight years old. I don't know how it happened, but for some reason, my parents somehow found the, like, largest frames. I don't know if we were in a clown costume shop or something, but they, they were huge. And, and they swore to me that they were red, but all the kids at school knew full well they were pink. Right? Now, glasses can be really stylish and cool. These were not. Right? They were hideous. But they worked. Right? And I put them on, and suddenly I could see clearly and crisply for the first time in my memory. For about a week. And about a week later, they didn't seem to work as well anymore. Things were blurry again. Not so much fuzzy like before. More like cloudy, but... But I just couldn't see. In fact, I I discovered that I could see at least as well, if not better, without wearing them at all. And since they were ugly anyway, I just took them off. And my mom somehow noticed. And she said, Jay, where are your glasses? Knowing, of course, I'd either broken them or lost them because these things happen. And I said, you know, I don't think they work anymore. And she said, well, give them to me. And she looked at them, and then she held them at arm's length like they were radioactive. And she said... Gee, these are filthy. And I looked close and I realized, you know what? They kind of were. Like big, greasy fingerprints caked in dirt and rain splatter and sweat streaks and I think maybe even some applesauce. I mean, it was, it was pretty nasty. But a couple sprays of lens cleaner and a wipe with a lint-free cleaning cloth and suddenly... They were as good as new, restored to their hideous glory, and I could see clearly again. And I thought about those glasses this week as I wrestled with how to talk together about confession and sin. Those are big, heavy words. Words that are are hard sometimes to roll around in our mouths. This week, we are in the second week of a summer-long series we're calling Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi. It's a cute little Latin phrase that essentially means the way we worship shapes how we believe. It, it, It shapes what we believe about ourselves, about our neighbors, and about our God. Worship matters. Last week, we talked about how when we gather in this place, we don't gather sort of perfunctorily, just tripping over the threshold however we happen to show up. But we gather specifically as baptized, right? That we gather with this identity as those who have been washed together, bound to one another in the waters of life, joined to the body of Christ as the baptized. That is who we are. It is the most important thing about who we are, and it will never change. And so we splash and we spray and we dip and we trace and we rejoice, we celebrate that we are the baptized. But there's another way that we often gather here, and it's what we did just a few minutes ago. And that is we stand and together we confess our sin. It doesn't have quite the same vibe, right? It's not as fun as spraying each other as water. Trust me, I get a real kick out of that. You know, tell me all about 
the ways you've messed up this week isn't exactly how you would begin a conversation at a dinner party, right? And that, my friends, is exactly what we're here for, a dinner party. But who wants to lead with that? In in fact, there are lots of churches out there that, that don't confess sin very often, some not even at all, because, you know, in this seeker sensitive culture, we want to get as many butts in the pews as possible, and it's just not super exciting and happy-go-lucky to talk about sin the moment you walk in the door. I'm also well aware that there are folks who have come to this congregation or come to this expression of the Lutheran tradition, this denomination, specifically from traditions where sin and confession have a lot of baggage attached to them, a lot of guilt and a lot of shame And a a lot of specific sin talk that that maybe seemed a little targeted toward certain aspects of who they were. And so it's not without a little bit of hardness, some baggage that we talk about confession. And yet, I'm convinced that if we can, can recover the gift, and it is indeed a gift, the gift of confession, It might just be one of the things that helps us recover what it means to truly be Christian people. And by that I mean the baptized. Because confession is about telling the truth. And Christians tell the truth. But it's not just telling any old truth. You see, confession is about two truths. Two layers of truth, and both must be there, or else confession remains simply a a club of judgment that we can use to wield against those whom we look down our noses at. But we can't just let it go, because it's a gift. It is a gift to tell the truth. It is a gift to believe that indeed if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. As First John so beautifully put it, and as when I was growing up, that was pretty much all we ever said on Sunday morning for a confession. Anybody else grow up? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Boy, it's true. You see, we rejoice that in the waters of baptism we have been joined to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has dealt with sin once and for all. This is most certainly true. And we still live in the world as it is. And the world that we live in is awash with sin. Awash with violence and hate and self-destruction and destruction of others. If you doubt that after a week like this in the news, you are simply not paying attention. We live in a world that is thick with sin. And we, as the baptized, we have been redeemed, set free from all that. However, we don't always live as the baptized. Sometimes we leave this place and we forget that this is who we are. And when we leave and we act out of any other identity, we are so prone to be layered with all that thick sin in which we swim, to hurt ourselves and our neighbors, 
to get covered up, mucked up, dirtied up with judgments of others, with the divisions that plague us, with our hard feelings toward others that coat them and us in shame and guilt. It covers us. It obscures our vision. We don't see the world as baptized people anymore. We see the world as whatever broken broken version of our true selves we might be. And so we must tell the truth about that. And so we are given the gift as we gather, as the baptized, to tell that truth. Because everybody would love to live in a world that is full of peace and love and justice. But you don't get peace unless you clearly say no to war and violence. You don't get love unless you clearly, specifically say no to hate and all its minions. You don't get justice unless you can clearly say no to injustice. And so we tell the truth about ourselves and about the world in which we live. Then indeed, we are in bondage to sin and we cannot free ourselves. And it covers us up, obscures who we really are, makes us not see clearly, the world that God so dearly loves, the world God sends us as the baptized to serve. And, and, God who is faithful and just forgives our sin and cleanses us of all unrighteousness. You see, this is the truth about who we are, but it's only one truth. And there is a deeper, more abiding, more eternal truth that we also tell when we gather as the baptized to confess our sin. And that is that underneath all that other junk, we remain the baptized. That who we really are is who God has made us. What we really are up to is what God has promised to make us into What defines us is the gift that God gives, utterly regardless of what we have done or left undone. You see, when my glasses were covered with all that junk, the glasses weren't broken. The prescription hadn't changed. They were still glasses, perfectly good as they had been made. They were just covered with stuff. Wipe that stuff away. You see it, you spray it, you wipe it away. And suddenly we can see. Suddenly we can see who we really are. We can see how God sees our neighbors as those who just haven't quite yet become our friends. We see the world as God is making it, remaking it, reforming it, renewing it in God's beloved image. Because that is who we are, friends. You are not defined by what happened this last week, what you did or did not do, what others did or didn't do to you. You see, your broken past does not define your future. God's promise does. And that promise Remains Underneath all that other stuff, it remains. And it absolutely cannot and will not ever be taken away. 
And thanks be to God for that. Amen.